freedom 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 over fame freedom over cycle stays the same welcome first of all welcome this is unsolicited perspectives i am your host bruce anthony thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your podcast and video podcast subscribe share like comment and rate us you can find us on instagram youtube and twitch at unsolicited underscore perspectives on twitter and tiktok at unsolicited underscore per watch us live every thursday night 7 30 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch our audience continues to grow with each and every episode and i humbly thank you on today's episode we're talking about dating stories Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Freedom Caucus, and me and my sister, yeah, that's right, my sister's going to be doing a guest appearance and going to be talking about black movies in the 90s. But first things first. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness or gearing up for festival seasons or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, (laughs) let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouth water and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember, folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors, and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives.
So, first of all, uh, if, if you guys follow us on Instagram, you saw that, uh, you know, I had my birthday uh, kicked back this past weekend uh, for all the people that, that showed up. A lot of them listened to the show. I want to say thank you once again. It meant a lot to me that people came out and showed out for me. I had a good time, got my drink on and uh, really kicked it with a lot of uh, loving friends. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And I'm not going to betray anybody's confidence on this first segment as I talk about dating. Um, but anybody that that knows me or if you follow me on Instagram, my personal page, you know that I have a lot of female friends, platonic friends. I find a lot of comfort in female friends uh, because, yo, like, I, okay, so guys and women are just different, you know. Guys love languages to, to, to joke around and, and clown around and pick on each other. And I do that all day long, every day. Right. Uh, but as you guys could tell on these episodes, I like to have in depth. Uh, I wouldn't say sensitive, but definitely dealing with emotion conversations. And I tend to find that females are better to have those conversations with because they tend to be a little bit more in tune to their emotions than men are. I don't think anybody would rarely argue that statement. Like women are more in tune to their emotions and more open to expressing their emotions than men are. I will say that this is changing. Men are changing. Men are expressing uh, emotions. But, I, you know, a prime example of it. My two closest guy friends that I've known for over 25 years at my birthday celebration, I told one of them, hey, man, I love you. He said, hey, man, I love you, too. It's not the first time that we said this to each other, right? Because we do love each other. We're brothers. My other friend, you know, I say, hey, man, I love you. And he's like, hey, man, quit, quit with that stuff. And I'm like, I know the dude loves me. Like, I, I know we have love for each other. Like, a funny story goes, I was in a fight at a bar in Ams Morgan in my younger years. You know, I... 21. That's the only time you go to Adams Morgan is when you're 21, 22, 23. You need to stop going to Adams Morgan at night at 23, 24 years old. If anybody's familiar with DC area, you know, Adams Morgan at night is a zoo and it's for young people. That is absolutely for sure. But I'm down there. I think I'm 21 years old. So it's the summer of 2001 and I get in a fight at a bar. And all I saw was that friend that won't say I love you back jump in the middle. I'm surrounded by guys. Like I'm in a circle. I'm in the middle of a circle with five, six, seven guys. I don't know how many, and I'm swinging. And all I saw at the corner of my eye was his ass come jumping in the middle of the circle, swinging with me. And I, I, we had been friends already for three, four, five years. So he was already my friend, but I was like, oh, that's my brother. Cause he's got my back. So it's just funny. This is an example of, you know, men not really being, all that open, he's still a little rough around the edges, but I know that he loves me, all right? So the idea of this rough and gruff man who can't express emotions, I got two friends. One that that will not hesitate to, to tell you that he loves you. Another one that, you know, he's more of a shower than a teller. That's okay. So I have a lot of female friends because they're a lot more in, in tune with their emotions. And, I, you know, just by listening to this podcast and, and hearing the interviews, like I really dig learning about people. I really dig learning about what makes them tick, uh, what their likes and dislikes, how they came about, whatever their ideology or philosophy on life is. Like, I don't know. I've always been this way. 
And so, yes, I have a lot of female friends. One of the aspects of having a lot of female friends is that they will talk to you about their dating life. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess I'm that non-gay but surrogate gay boyfriend that they could talk to about this stuff because they know that I'm just going to give them honest answers and I don't want anything from them. Um, and, and I will say that I've taken a backseat to dating for a little while because I really don't have time between this and the other things that I've got going on. Cause you know, I'm, I'm constantly coming with ideas to start new businesses and new ventures. I, I never stay in the pocket. Um, and, and, and still I'm always on the go and I'm moving. I don't really have a lot of time to entertain somebody else's attention because my attention is drawn during the, the party. I was making a point of, and I hope that I did this, talk to everybody, give them time. But I know there were a lot of times where I would start a conversation and in mid-sentence stop because my attention was drawn to something else and move on. And they had to go back and say, hey, I'm sorry, I apologize for that. So I just don't have time or, or patience, right, to entertain relationships. But they talk to me about their relationships. And what I'm finding out from my own personal experience dating nowadays in this new 21st century form of dating. And from them is dating, ain't dating ain't easy, but we all kind of always knew that, but dating is getting increasingly hard. In one instance, I have a friend and yes, I'm putting your business out there, but I'm not telling anybody what your name is. Right. And, and nobody's going to be able to, nobody that doesn't know you is going to be able to know who I'm talking about. Anybody that does know you, they already know that this story. So I, I'm, I'm not betraying any confidences. I hope, um, her personality is, I call her stoic. She's very stoic. I mean, that's the only, that's the only way that I can describe her is she is a very driven and determined person. She has goals. She does not deviate from those goals. The, she has an idea in her mind. She's going to go out and get it. And in a lot of ways, I respect the hell out of that because I am that person too. Uh, not the stoic part. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. You know exactly what I'm thinking and, and who I am and, and, and what I'm about. I'm not saying that she's a mystery. If you know her, uh, you know, you know her, but uh, she's, she's very stoic and she doesn't really show a lot of emotion. Uh, not in a sense where she doesn't show emotion at all. She's just, she doesn't get any, she doesn't get too high or too low. So she's hit me up a couple of different times because she's, dated a couple of different guys. And she said, do you think I talk too much? And I said, no, I don't think you talk too much. I think that when you are passionate about something, you get excited and you talk about it, but I, it's not like you dominate the conversation. And, 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 and she is extremely intelligent. Um, it's not like you dominate the conversation. And if somebody's having dialogue back and forth with you, it, it's not like you talk over them or dominate the conversation. No. So I, I don't think you talk too much. Um, that was a problem that a gentleman had. And I was like, I think that's really his issue. I don't think he's as intelligent as you are or even close to it. And she was like, he's smart. I said, there's a difference between smarts and intelligent, right? He, knowing a lot of facts and being able to have critical thinking are two completely different things. Critical thinking is really intelligence. Uh, Jeopardy is, is, is really smart. So there's, so there's a difference. I know a lot of people that are really smart, but dumb as hell. So. I so said, he just, he just isn't as intelligent. So if he thinks that he's, if he thinks that you're talking too much, then odds are 
he just can't keep up with the conversation. That isn't about you. And if he can't keep up with the conversation or if he thinks that you talk too much, it's best now that this ends early because that's not something that you would be interested in after you're past this initial physical attraction, right? Because there's, the there's a physical attraction that typically draws people to each other. And then you get to know the person. If you're lucky, you get to know the person first, but nine times out of 10, it's the, the physical attractiveness and then getting to know the person and getting to know somebody. I'll get into this later, but getting to know somebody takes a long time. And then there was another gentleman that uh, she was really into. And this gentleman said that uh, it was too tough to draw out conversations with her. And she was like, does it seem like it's tough to get conversations out of me? And I'm like, no, that, I was like, that's not the issue. Um, I was like, well, I don't know what it's like to date you, right? Like, I don't know what it's like, but I know my interactions with you and we've had several conversations. I was like, my interaction with you is neither one of those are the issue. If somebody is having a difficult time trying to get conversation out of you, then they really don't have anything to talk about because you're not a person that can engage in multiple topics. I got another friend um, who really liked this guy and they went out on a couple of dates and and they were semi-intimate and uh, the guy ghosted her. And she was like, I don't really understand why he ghosted me. And I can't say that I haven't ghosted people before because of course I am somebody in my former life who was conflict adverse. So with women, conflict adverse with women. If the conflict involved emotions, I'm going to try to figure <laughs> One of my closest friends used to say, I had this expression and I didn't know I had this expression, but I was going to try and find some way to wiggle my way out the situation. That's what I would always say. And I would always call, I would always come up with some shenanigans or some story to get my way out of the situation without actually having to confront whatever emotional issues that was involved. I eventually grew out of that, but some people don't grow out of those type of things. And it sucks because she says she really liked the guy and um, she thought that that it was going to be something and and it didn't. And he ghosted her and, and I told her, you know, good riddance. Like if he ghosted you, then that means that that's not something that you would want to deal with because when things get rough, he's 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 a fight or flight. He's a flight. And you want somebody that's actually going to want to fight when things are tough. Now, bring all this stuff up because I feel like in dating, one, people don't really take the time to really get to know one another, right? We're dealing in, in, in an age where everything is instantaneous and fast in all walks of life, right? Like you go back to the 90s. To find a movie that you wanted to watch, you had to go to the video store. You had to you had to browse the video sections to pick out the movie that you want. Now it's to the point now where we have so many choices to choose from on a daily basis. We have a hard time trying to figure out what it is that we want to watch because we just have so many choices. And it's coming at us fast and we have easy access to it. And it's in all aspects of life, whether it's food preparation or uh just everything except for getting your passport that takes forever, but everything else except for getting your passport, you can get that relatively quickly. So with this, with the speed of things, dating has, you know, become a victim of that. People are not taking their time to really get to know people, to talk to people, to converse with people. 
And in the process, you're not getting to know people. So you're not getting to understand what their priorities are. Are they monogamous? Or are they polyamorous? This is an important thing to talk about. Do they want to have a committed relationship? Are they emotionally available for a committed relationship? Do they know whether they are emotionally available for a committed relationship or not? Prime example, for me in my personal life, I dated, I dated a, a woman and on paper, everything was perfect. And her interactions were actually perfect. They actually were. Um, She's good people. She was somebody that I could talk to for hours on end. The day that we broke up, literally, we sat down in her living room area, sipping on tequila. She was sipping on bourbon and we talked for eight hours. And it was just about any and everything. And this was after we had been dating for a while. However, I wasn't emotionally available at that particular time and neither was she. And we didn't know that until that night when we broke up. And then it's funny because we're cool now and we'll tick, we'll, you know, talk because it's been years later. And it's just like, yo, conversating with you has always been so easy. There was never any problems with us as far as a physical connection. Uh, our only issue is emotionally we weren't there. And like we didn't, everything was kind of rushed. Everything that like from the first moment that we met to when we decided to, to be together to when we decided to break up was in a matter of three or four months. That's a really quick relationship, right? And we didn't really get to know each other because it takes a long time before people let their guard down, just reveal their true emotion, even though that we were talking a lot about really deep stuff. You know them, but you don't know them. And you don't know anybody until you had your first fight, right? So I think part of the time, part of this issue with dating is that we fall in love with the infatuation stage, that dopamine, that rush that we get from knowing somebody and, and there's that physical attraction and you find out that they're kind of cool. And I know what it is. I figured out what it is. We're like drug addicts. We're chasing that first high. And that first high was our first love. Everybody remember that? Whether it was middle school or high school, that first love. I mean, it was innocent. It was pure. You didn't know any better. You weren't tainted from dating. It was the purest form of love. It wasn't real love, right? Because you don't know how to love at that point. But we equate it to real love and we kind of chased that. We got, I dated a woman who was like, it's, this isn't like the first, the first time I dated. The first time you dated was in high school. That person, you're comparing me to that person you fell in love with. Love is different when you get older than when you're a child, but it doesn't matter. We're, we're searching for that first emotion. And I feel like that dopamine rush of that initial excitement of meeting somebody that you're physically attracted to that you think is cool, right? And I say think because you don't know them, not truly. And you can't know somebody, even if you're texting with them all day long, so much can get lost in communication through text message. And so I just feel like, you know, people are rushing into things. People aren't taking their time to get to know them. And you understand that you're searching for your first love and you got so many choices out there, right? Like for, for men out there who were womanizers, somebody like me in my twenties, who was a womanizer, 
who, who loved to be around multiple women, who could not have a good time unless he met a woman that night at a party, a club or whatever like that. It was a blown night unless I met a woman, somebody who was obsessed with women. I couldn't live in this time period right now because there would never have been any woman that would have been able to hold my attention for enough time for me to truly get to know them. Hell, they could barely do it back then. And my choices were as limited to the people that I was interacting with in my particular city. And I had a lot of people to choose from in my particular city because there's like five or six different colleges within a 15 mile radius. So I understand that people have choices and people are searching for that initial feeling. But I really think that people need to, in dating, really take a pause, take a step back and really take the time to get to know each other. I don't believe in going on multiple dates too early. What I mean by that is some people will go through two or three dates in the first week and meeting the person. That's too many dates. That's too many dates, right? Because if you like some person and you're infatuated by them, you want to meet them quicker, that's going to fast track the entire relationship. And then you have situations like I was in with who is now a friend of mine, the girl that I dated a full blown relationship within three months. And that's just entirely too quickly to at our age, you're in your late twenties, your thirties and your forties to fast track a relationship. I think that seeing somebody a, a good, a good form of slow rolling it, seeing somebody once a week, see them every weekend. Don't text them all day long shoot quick text messages. Don't carry on conversations through text messages because you're not going to learn about somebody's personality and text messages. Text messages, look, people can be funny as hell and text messages when they are able to craft something, take time and craft something as opposed to being quick witted in person. It could be dry as hell in person and be hilarious in text message and vice versa. You really need to spend time with that person and not create that dialogue with that person through text messages. So take time, not rush, rush to end anything. And also don't come in with preconceived notions of what it is that you're looking for. A lot of people look good on paper, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're good in real life. I know that because I do that in my personal life. Right. For me, I always see potential as opposed to what is actually realization. Right. It's always, man, she would be great at this, this. Now I can see this down in the future, but she's not presenting herself to be that person in and of itself. And and there's nothing wrong with her as a person. There's nothing wrong with people not matching. That's going that's supposed to happen more often than you actually match with people. Right. If you take the time to get to know somebody, you have your ideology of what you believe dating is. They have their ideology of what you, of what they believe dating is. Hopefully that matches, but you can't force things to match. You can't force people to be what you want them to be. You have to accept them for who they are and then decide if that's good enough for you. And if it's not good enough for you, it's okay to say, this isn't right. No matter how much that infatuation, no matter how much dopamine racks up your brain and make you feel like this is it, it's okay to take a step back and 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 say, wait a minute, let me find out what it is that I want to do and then do that. And it, it's really important to find out if your ideologies on life actually match, right? People change. Sometimes people say in a situation that they do want kids, and then they don't. Sometimes they say they don't want kids 
and then they do. Sometimes they say they never want to get married and it changes. Sometimes they say they want to get married and then realize, no, maybe I don't want to get married. Things change, people evolve. It's important to understand that baseline personality of who they are before moving in any further. And I'm going to give people the most sage advice that I can actually give people. Take the time to get to know somebody. Wait three or four months before y'all say that you want to be exclusive. And then when you decide to be exclusive, I mean, and when I say wait three or four months, that's a bare minimum, right? Wait three to four months. It's better to be like six months to really, really get to know somebody. You see somebody once a week for six months, you're getting the opportunity to really get to know them, right? Because over a period of time, over that six month period, whatever thing that they're holding back, whatever personality traits or quirks that you may not like or they may not like about you is eventually going to come out. So you can really get to know the person. And then when you decide to be exclusive, don't go full ham into the relationship. Still slow roll it, right? Take your time. Maybe instead of once a week, you go twice a week or maybe three times a week, right? But but make it so that there are dates. It always has to maintain, maintain that you're still dating, that you're doing things outside, that you're mingling with other people. Now, I'm not talking about mingling with other people like hollering because you're exclusive. I'm just saying being in groups, you want to see how they're going to interact with your friends. And eventually, at a certain point when you're exclusive, you want to see how they're going to interact with the family. But most importantly, before they interact with your friends and their family, you want to make sure that their interaction with you is real and genuine. So my only advice for dating Take your time, slow your roll, center yourself when you start to get excited. Let me wait and see how this plays out. Let me give the person that I feel like I, I, I might like the attention that they deserve as far as, you know, you're out there dating. It's okay to, to date other people, right? Like you're out there dating. But give that person the attention if you think that if you think that you really do like them, give them the attention, but not too much attention. Not too much attention. Don't rush into anything and really, truly, truly try to get to know the person before making any decisions. And guess what? Even with all that advice, there's still no guarantee that it's going to work out. Life is a crapshoot. But no matter what pain brings, we grow from it. Quit being born with your lazy ass, just eating dinner and watching TV every night. We're going to change it up tonight. Next time, pull out a Wongo puzzle and enjoy the conversation and fun that happens when people puzzle together. Wongo is a perfect balance of good challenge without being so hard you stop talking to each other and leave your family forever. I know I'm close to that almost every time me and my family get together. Trust me, once you try Wongo, you'll never go back to that boring, old-ass jigsaw puzzle. They are 100% wooden pieces, so they'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. With stunning designs and unique shape, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. I love doing the snow globe puzzle myself. It was great to pull out a puzzle and be done in a night and not have to worry about it being on the table for a week. Well, not on the table, on the floor. And definitely not for a week because crypto would mess it up. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code unsolicited to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W O N 
GOPuzzles.com and use code unsolicited to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. All right, so enough of dating. All right, enough of the daily daddling. Let's get into some real topics. It came out that uh, sometime in late June of this year that Marjorie Taylor Greene was kicked out of the Freedom Caucus. According to multiple sources, Rep- Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene was officially kicked out of the a Freedom, a House Freedom Caucus in late June 2023. The reason for her expulsion was her repeated attacks of fellow GOP colleagues, especially Lauren, Barber, Lauren Bobart, who is not the daughter of Sweet Stan Lane, who she called a little B word. I, I was talking to my sister about if I'm allowed to say the B word. Um, it's my favorite cuss word of all time. And I, in this description of calling her a little B word, I don't feel like that I can say it in this moment. But that's what Marjorie Taylor Greene said to Lauren Bobart. She called her a little B word and she didn't do it in like a private meeting or anything. She did it on the House floor. Green is the first lawmaker to be ousted from the conservative group since it was started in 2015. She tried to downplay downplay the expulsion of the group by saying that she don't represent no particular group, that she just represents her constituents. Uh, Why is this important? Well, okay, so the Freedom Caucus is a conservative branch of the GOP, and that's saying something, right? Um, They're the ones who tried to hold up Kevin McCarthy's vote for for speakership they, they did hold it up his vote for speakership the easiest way to 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 understand the freedom caucus is to understand the evolution the freedom caucus is nothing more than the tea party right and why was the tea party established well the tea party was established because barack obama was president so inherently there's some messiness about them and what they stand for what's funny to me is that Margie Taylor Greene wasn't wasn't ousted because of the crazy things that she said in the past, Jewish space lasers and uh, defending January 6th uh, rioters and calling them patriots, um, attacking uh, black people that was marching um, during the Black Lives Matters protest, not riots. January 6th was a riot. The Black Lives Matters were protests. Did some rioting happen in the protests? Yes. But if you look at FBI reports, it says that 96% of the altercations that happened that resulted in riots during the Black Lives Matter protests were agitators that were against the Black Lives Matter protests or the police started something. But I digress. I'm not going to get into that. So it's very clear what the House Freedom Caucus and before them, the Tea Party stood for and stand for. None of those things got her kicked out. But what did get her kicked out is holding up for backing Kevin McCarthy when he was running for the speaker. So when the Freedom House Caucus was trying to stop it and they were trying to get some things done, Marjorie Taylor Greene was one of the first people that partnered up with Kevin McCarthy and said, no, I'm rocking with him. I support him. So she went against her caucus. And and that was kind of the things that made them say, hey, you know what? 
Come on now. And then she's just been consistently attacking Lauren Bulbert, Lauren Bulbert. And and they were a tag team of yelling liar during uh, president uh, addresses and things of that nature. So it, it's it's funny what's going on. And uh, I don't know if anybody else is paying attention to it, but Margie Taylor Greene is playing a very, very smart, very smart political maneuver. So she came in as this fringe person who is always going to be popular in her district, in her district, right? Like, I don't see her being able to run for Senate. That's a statewide election. Representatives are in a certain area that, that she lives and, and she has a lot of support. So I don't think that she will ever not get reelected as long as she's running for a representative. If she tries to run statewide, I don't think she has... Uh, the popularity that would get her in as a a governor or senator, things of that nature. But she started off as this fire-breathing dragon. And, and in a lot of ways in this hearing, she's still doing that, doing those theatrics to get the attention on her when everything she's saying is just absolutely ridiculous. I, I've been wanting to find one thing that she says in politics. That makes sense. And they never do. She's not very bright. That's my personal opinion because she hasn't shown me to be somebody who's intelligent. Neither has Lauren Bobart, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has shown me that he is smart and politically savvy, and she is learning from him how to be politically savvy because, like I said, she realizes being on this fringe and looking at what that fringe is, 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 is Trumpers, right? The, the Freedom Caucus are super supporter of Trumpers, where some of the other people in the GOP, they aren't super supportive, but they won't really attack Trump because Trump holds too much power. These people in the Freedom Caucus, they ride for Trump no matter what. What she was seeing or what she has to be seeing, and if you're anybody in the GOP politically, what you have to be seeing is, Trump's been losing. He lost the election in 2020. The midterms did not go the way that they were supposed to go in 2022. That fringe, even though he is very popular with with the base, the base doesn't carry great weight nationally for national elections, right? Like as long as you're doing local stuff, representative stuff, statewide stuff, um, you can control certain areas. But as far as nationally recognized, like you're not going to be able to ride for Trump and win elections like we've we've kind of seen this now some of some of these like some of these people like kevin mccarthy are straddling the bench making sure that not to piss off trump but also not riding with them for everything look at what they say so she's seeing the big picture and she's saying if i'm going to have a political career i'm still going to cozy up to trump because she cozies up to trump whenever she can but she's also saying i need to be a little bit more mainstream which means I need to kind of get away from what these fringe extreme people are saying and doing. That's the reason why she came out and said that she denounced the the Jewish space lasers and all this other stuff and just QAnon stuff because she realized it does not play well politically for her in the future. However, she's still going to be that fire breathing uh, dragon during all the committees. She's still bringing up articles of impeachment with Biden, which was another issue that her and Loom. Lauren Bobart had because she said Lauren Lauren Bobart copied her articles of impeachment on Biden 
and that was beef. Uh, but you know, all of it is really silly. What's interesting is to hear how some of the other GOP members are responding to Marjorie Taylor Greene. So you have the House Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy, who uh, who had basically has been taken green under his wing because she does have some political cachet. She has the same type of political cachet uh, with the base that Trump has, right? So he's been taking her under his wing and bringing her into the fold, which is part of the reason why the Freedom Freedom Caucus like basically got rid of her. She's too close to the man that they didn't necessarily want to be the speaker, right? Um, he offered praise to, to Marjorie Taylor Greene, calling her, quote, one of the most conservative members and one of the hardest working members. Remember, Marjorie Taylor Greene in her last stint as a representative was stripped from all her committee committee assignments. Now she's cozied up to to um, the the major part of the GOP, like the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And now she's getting committee assignments again. Really, really important committee assignments. So she's climbing that political ladder. Uh, another member of the, the Freedom Caucus, his, his representative, Ralph Norman, told reporters that Green's beliefs were too far apart from the rest of the Freedom Caucus for her to remain a member. And that's basically saying that she done sold out, right? That That's what they're saying. They're like, look, we're hardliners, and she done sold out to get a seat at the table. And she did, because that was a better political strategy. Look, Lauren Bobart barely, barely was reelected in her own district. Go back to what I was saying. A representative is a district race. It's not a statewide race. If she doesn't have, if Lauren Bobart didn't have the popularity to, to win by a landslide in her district, when she comes up for re-election, there's no guarantee that she's going to be re-elected because she barely won last time. I mean, it was really, really close. At Margie Taylor Greene didn't sweat her re-election. Probably won't ever sweat her re-election. They're trying to come up with people to oppose her. But in that district, she's she's queen. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it, a lot of people, Norman also said, Ralph Norman, the congressman, also, also said she's a good friend. We just disagree. So it was good for her and it was good for the Freedom Caucus. Uh Norman added she was critical of us for the 20th of January, referring to the 20 House Republicans who opposed McCarthy's bid for speakership. Remember, she did. She wasn't riding with the Freedom Caucus when they were going with going against Speaker McCarthy. Going for the speakership. Right. So they made things really hard, so much so that Kevin McCarthy is on thin ice, thin ice. Every day he's a speaker because one of the concessions that he made was that he could always be brought up for a vote. He could be ousted at any time that he pisses off these members. The members don't have enough to oust him, but they have enough. They had enough to make his life difficult. And she didn't ride with them with that. So they are like, look, she got to go. But calling Lauren Bobart a little B word on the House floor was a final straw. Mind you, if this is actually true. And she did call Lauren Bobart a B word on the House floor. This is something that the GOP is supposed to bring to the table as a whole, because this is breaking the rules of decorum on the House floor. But it's not going to happen. You know why? Because Kevin McCarthy rides with her, calls him, calls her a little rock star. I didn't see those. Are, that's not an exact quote, but it should be an exact quote. Um, 
So, you know, Norma goes on to say, you know, she opposed us for, she she was against us for the McCarthy's bid speakership. She had different opinions on different things. The 20 of us that wanted to just felt like we disagreed and it's fine, uh, but she's very vocal and not really with us anymore. And she's playing it off like, I'm not sweating these people because I've outgrown them. And she has. She's now part of the mainstream political process in the GOP. And I don't know where that's really going to go because she's not she's not bringing anything to the table but bluster, bluster. And she is popular with the GOP base because she's a Trumper. I don't know how long it's going to last for her, but I just thought it was funny that these hardliners are kind of turning on each other and kicking people out of groups. This infighting within the GOP, I guess, I guess is really good for Democrats, but by and large, it's bad for the country as a whole. It's bad for the country as a whole because we, we need more than two political parties. What we truly need is one on the, all the way to the right, one on the, all the way to the left, and one in the middle. Because the one in the middle will actually get things done. Whether you agree or disagree with moderate uh, Democrats and moderate Republicans or whatever they call them, the centralist Democrats or whatever, in politics, it isn't all mine, none of yours. It's it's a give and take. It's a bargaining. And if you're not going to be bargaining, you're not going to get anything done. And it's detrimental to this country. And for all the flaws this country has, and you know, I talk about the flaws of this country. The idea of America has always been that beacon of hope. And I don't know, call me a masochist or whatever, I still believe in the idea of America. I still believe in the idea that we can maybe get there, but we just got to have some common sense to be willing to work together and be willing to compromise, not compromise our beliefs. That's not what I mean, but compromise our stances on certain things to get things done, because there is a lot of commonality of Democrats and Republicans and liberals and conservatives. There are, there are some ways to meet in the middle. Everything doesn't have to be completely black or white. Margie Taylor Greene, I, I don't know if she's seeing that, but she's definitely seeing that being all the way to the far right and being associated in, in this group was not good for her politically in the long run. And so she ain't tripping that the Freedom Caucus kicked her out and the Freedom Caucus ain't tripping that they kicked her out either. You know what? For all of that, it is what it is. All right. I had to get my sister in here for a rare Tuesday episode, and I wanted to get her perspective on uh, this next topic that we're going to talk about. What up, sis? What up, brother? And none, just chilling. Just wanted to get your perspective on uh, this very, very important topic to uh, not only the Black community, but to all communities. So mm -hmm. I got one of my friends sent me this uh, meme. I don't know if it was a meme, but something like that from yeah. Instagram. And it said, you can only watch one year of black movies. And there are 1990 movies. And they give a list of the movies for each year. So mm -hmm. I'm going to write the list real fast and then we'll talk to talk about it. Okay. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm actually going to have the list running right now so that you can follow along with what movies are where, because this might be a little tough to follow on the audio podcast. So right. it's 1990. The movies are House Party, Mo' Better Blues, mm -hmm. 
1991. The movies are House Party 2, Boys in the Hood, The Five Heartbeats, New Jack City, and Strictly Business. Top tier. I mean, just, okay. 1992, the movies are Juice, Class Act, Mo Money, Boomerang, and Malcolm X. In 1993, the movies are CB4, What's Love, Menace to Society, Poetic Justice, and Sister Act 2. Mind you, What's Love got to do with it. That's the full, yeah. What's Love? It's a Tina Turner movie. Tina Turner movie. In 1994, it's Fresh, Crooklyn, Jason's Lyric, Above the Rim, A Low Down, Dirty Shame. And just to make a note, one of my, uh, I would say it's in my top five, maybe top three films is Crooklyn. It's one of my favorite films. Huh. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think I've seen that since it came out. No. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, in 1995, it's Dead Presidents, Waiting to Exhale, Higher Learning, Vampire in Brooklyn, and Friday. I will say Vampire in Brooklyn, highly, highly underrated Andy Murphy movie. Written by Charlie Murphy. And that's more reason for people to go watch Vampire in Brooklyn. All mm-hmm. right. In 1996, it's Set It Off, Don't Be a Menace, A Thin Line, The Preacher's Wife, and Fat Beach. A thin line between I, love and hate. Yeah, and I don't know why Fat Beach is on there. Uh, I don't know why either. I don't know. 1997 is BAPS, Love Jones, Ease Bayou, Soul Food, and Booty Call. This is when we're starting to get into <laughs> our... <laughs> and this is this is the start of our like romantic comedy phase that we get into in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, 1998, it's Belly, The Players Club, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, and He Got Game. This is the start of our hip-hop era. Uh, no, hip-hop I mean, film era. Uh, no, I think 1990 is the start of the hip-hop film, because House, House Party specifically. No, I mean, well, they were really the only hip-hop artists making movies, right? Uh-uh, nope. I mean, you got 91, you got boys. Let me, let me, let me finish it. Let me finish this. In 1999, you have Into Deep, The Best Man, The Wood, and Life. All right. So like I said, if you're watching the YouTube page during that whole scenario, uh, during that whole rundown, I had a graph up there showing you guys what, what, and who was who. I I, I just want to say, to piggyback off what you're saying, if you go 90, 91, 92, you have Kid and Play. You have Ice Cube, you have uh, Ice T, uh, and all of those movies. Yeah, but I feel like Boys in the Hood and New Jack City were films. <laughs> okay, and the other ones <laughs> and, aren't films. And I feel like Belly Players Club, things like that. These, those are movies. Okay, so you're the you're the director. What's the difference between a film and a movie? Oh, this is just my own. Thing. Okay, what is it's your what a, is your own definition? What is Jay's definition of uh, what a to, film is and what a movie is? To me, a movie is for entertainment only, and a film actually has some substance. But that's just my own. Okay, how I delineate the two in my mind, or okay. different. Yeah. Okay, so what do you think uh, is the best year? Because because. As I run down the 90s, which is what what was an explosion of black movies in the 90s, yes. what I will say that it starts to go downhill 
as far mm-hmm. as substance is concerned as you get to the late 90s, right? Yes, um, yeah. But if I had to choose, like you only have, you can only choose mm-hmm. one year. And those are the only movies that you can watch. All the other movies you cannot watch ever mm-hmm. again. Yeah. What year are you choosing? I agree. Um, it starts to it starts to taper off a little bit around around the BAPS era. I'm a uh, you know uh, by the time Fat Beach comes out, you're, we're getting we're getting a lot of goofy black movies, but we're also getting a lot of uh, we're in our romantic comedy era. Like I said, like we're getting a lot of romantic comedies. We're getting the what, best I mean, man, what are the, the romantic- wood. Uh, where's the best man? The best man is ninety nine. Ninety nine. We got the is, wood. I don't uh, think the wood is a rom- is the wood a romantic. I, I don't think yeah. it's a romantic comedy. I mean, it is a romantic it's- comedy. It was about getting. It was there. It was like following these friends from high school to college. I mean, high school to adulthood, and then middle school. Was it, already, middle, it was uh, middle school. Yeah, it was, kind of, it was kind of a coming of age, but it, I was I would call it a romantic comedy. There was if it was romanticism, a friendship, I think it was a friendship comedy. Me and my two boys literally w- went to that movie to go see that movie. And we were we walked out and I was like, yo, that's us because I was Big Mike. I was the one who joined them mm-hmm. after they had been friends for a while. And, and we walked out of it and we was like, yo, that's us. And I was like, yeah, that yeah. is us. That's 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 our story. But I think of the wood not as a because they don't even pay attention to I mean, aside from Mike Epps. Yeah, it's Mike Epps. Aside mm-hmm. from Mike Epps character uh, at the end. Yeah. They don't really express the, the relationships are really about the friendship and not that's about true. the love interest. But I, I get what you're saying, though. I get yeah. what you're saying. Uh, we got Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Stella got her groove back. I mean, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? That's more of a biopic. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't consider that a romantic comedy either. Now, Love Jones, that's in a class by itself. That's just top tier romance. I don't even think that's a comedy. As That was more of a romantic drama. Yeah. Um, but just top tier. My choice though is obviously going to be in the early 90s yes um because we were just getting some really hilarious movies some really good films and my year is going to be 1992 because i can watch class act mo money and boomerang over and over i have Uh over and over and over again and not need anything else. <laughs> not need anything else. So my two years of choice, and it was tough to narrow down, was 91 and 92. Mm-hmm. And and I finally got mad and said, I'm not going to play this game. I'm not going to choose. I'm going <laughs> to choose everything that I want. This is stupid. Yeah. But yeah. but in, in the context of, of these movies, when my friends that sent that, they really, um, they were going back and forth. One said 91, another one said 92. Mm-hmm. I would choose... I think I have to choose 92 because out of all the kid and play movies, House Party is the most important, but Class Act is the funniest one. And how do Class I know this? Class Act is hilarious. How do I know this? I literally just watched it last night. <laughs> you watched Class Act last night? I watched, yeah. I watched Class Act and that, last night. And that's night. how I knew. I said, 
how am I going to narrow this down? There's so many years where they have movies that I love. Um, Cause my favorite year musically is actually 1996. Okay. Um, but as far as movies and, and film, yeah, it's going to be 92 because you got the drama, you got juice and Malcolm X for drama, <laughs> classic and Mo money for comedy boomerang for romance i mean you got it like it's got everything you need if you could only watch that one year i have everything that i need in 1992 yes you do and i agree with you 92 is a year but it is really tough it's to tough. push 91 out because yeah. the five heartbeats uh i the I've five heartbeats in new jack city dozens like, of times so and one strictly of my business friends- please do not discount <laughs> One hump, two hump. <laughs> so my boys, the ones who sent this to me, was like, "All right, you can throw strictly business out." And I wanted to, I wanted to choose violence, and I yes. just didn't in the group chat because I was yeah. like, "I'm not, I'm not going to convince them otherwise." Because no. they probably haven't watch seen this as a comeback. Yeah, I'm going to watch it tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going watch to watch it, it again tonight. Yes. But because it's just no, watch it again. That's why I would encourage. Your friends, watch it again because watch you didn't again. you didn't really get it. And now you're gonna get it now that you're an adult. Yes. You're gonna really get it. And you're class act. Really get that corporate stifling <laughs> corporate culture and just wanting to break out and have fun. You're gonna see an adorable young Halle Berry. I oh, mean <laughs> Yes. Wayman Tinsdale. The uptightness of his character is so funny. Uh, Tommy Davidson. Holly is having Holly string in these movies. Well, no, she just did 91, 92, right? No, she she was was in in, Baps. No, but I'm talking about like a string of stuff. Like 91, 92. uh, Was she in New Jack City? No, she was in. um, She was in Strictly Business. Strictly Business. And she was in Boomerang. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Until later. But this is like when we discovered Halle Berry. Strictly Business is like, oh, it's Halle Berry. Boomerang, it was like, oh, it's Halle Berry. But even then, she wasn't the main, she wasn't the main sex symbol actress in that movie. It was still mm-hmm. Robin Givens. It was Robin Givens, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you got some of these other. What do you think is the most important movie? I actually, my favorite Denzel Washington movie is The Equalizer, but the most important one, I think he did the best acting in Malcolm X, because I forget it's Denzel Washington. I think that's that's the best acting he's ever done. I don't know why people love Training Day so much. He's just being himself. (laughs) You just don't know that side of him. Yeah. Malcolm Um, X, he was Malcolm. He, he, of course, deserves the Oscar. He's deserved the Oscar for many films, many times over. Um, but yes, but I don't think you can discount films like Boys in the Hood, Menace mm-hmm. to Society, and Higher Learning, which what I is? just, which I just watched, uh, which I just watched Higher Learning maybe a couple months ago. Because we were on, talking about it. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I watched it again. Um, I don't think you could discount those three. I recently just watched Fresh, and that's a really, really good movie oh i can't remember when i saw i probably saw fresh in 94 and then didn't see it again 
Uh, Sam, star Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the young kid, uh, Big Mike. Big Mike from the Wood is he's mm-hmm. a young kid and, and fresh. But what's the best? What's the best movie out of all of these? In your mind, um, the best. You can't. The you can't. Okay, let's go with the worst. The worst fat beach. <laughs> I was just getting ready to say that. <laughs> I don't even know why I made this list. I why don't know did why it make it's this on list? Here. Why is it on here? I don't know. Why? I, it, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's horrible. It is and horrible. I'm, and I'm gonna be honest. I didn't like. Don't be a menace while drinking your juice in South Central. I, I, didn't, yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't think that the Wayne's brothers. When the Wayans brothers, Marlon and Sean, started doing their own movies, I didn't think they got good until they got into Scary Movie. Yeah. I, I didn't think them being men to South Central, like, a matter of fact, 96, nah, because set it off in a thin line. I can't get rid of that year. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of what year can I just absolutely get rid of. Um, I don't think there is a year. I, I, could, I, could, do, I, I could do without 98. Uh nope, I can't get rid of the Players Club or he got game. Bernie Mac I, is absolutely hilarious in the Players Club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope, not will not get rid of that. I could I could I could take I could take ninety eight out. I could uh, I could live without ninety eight. I'll tell you why I can't live without nineteen ninety four, and it's not just because of Crooklyn. It's because of a low down dirty shame, which I also <laughs> saw recently. And um, above the rim. And above the rim, sure. That's really your thing. But a low down Keenan <laughs> <laughs> Keenan Ivory Wayans to me is the funniest Wayans because he yeah, he makes the funniest films to me. Okay, uh, I, I think I think he's the funniest. Oh, I, you think he's the funniest out of all? The I think Wayans? He, I think he's the funniest. I, I I'm, as far hmm. as the, his body of work. Mm. Especially the films that he's done on his own. They're they're some of my favorite. Now I, I hey you like I, him, uh, da- you like Damon Wayans is hilarious in Mo Money. I love Mo Money. I love Mo Money. <laughs> okay. I don't necessarily think Damon is hilarious in Mo Money. I think he plays more of a straight man. Okay, okay, uh, but do you think Keenan is the funny one in Low Down Dirty Shame, or is it Jada Pinkett? It's. Keenan, you gotta watch it again. Right, look, he is I'm ridiculous. Gonna watch, I'm gonna watch Strictly Business or Low Down or Low Down Dirty Shame tonight. I don't know which one, but that's what I'm gonna watch tonight. Yes. All right. But Please this, watch it again. This segment has run long. You didn't oh. give me what you thought was the most important movie, but you did give me the most important year, which the is ninety two. The most important movie. I would I think you might be surprised, but I would say Boys in the Hood was the most important film. Hmm. Um, because it just, in my mind, John Singleton changed black cinema okay. by giving us this level of realism that we really didn't get before that. You know, we had with black exploitation and stuff, it really wasn't, you know, it was a bunch of pimps knowing kung fu and stuff like that like this was a real kung fu well (laughs) didn't know kung fu well but this is a real portrait of life um in the hood but also showing a diverse the diversity of black people in the hood 
Yes. Have educated yes. people. You have people who wanted to go to college. You had dope boys and everything in between. Yeah. It was it was just a real portrait of black life at that time in in Los Angeles. So And how society push people that that come from all these different walks walks of life that want different things out of life into the same neighborhoods. Mhm. And having to deal in that reality of having nothing outside of these neighborhoods in those neighbor and the boys in the hoods, when they were in those neighborhoods, you didn't see any stores, you didn't mm-hmm. see any shops, you didn't see any job opportunities. You have to leave the neighborhoods to, to go do that. So in these neighborhoods, um, they're almost trapped together yeah. and you have these converging ideologies of life mm-hmm. and, and having to navigate that. And you see tragedy and how certain circumstances come about, not because of the choices that you made, but because of the environment that you're f- forced, yeah. to, that you were forced to kind of live in. So I, you know what, the way you broke it down, I absolutely 100% agree with that. And I'm going to say that, uh, that is the most important movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and fat beach can go to hell. Yeah, fat on, beach. There's no business being on this list. No business. But on that note, this is actually the end of the episode. So uh, oh. what do you want to tell the people out there? Uh, go watch strictly business and a low down dirty shit. Actually try it. People that are not of the black community, go watch all these movies except yes. for fat beach. Don't watch Fat Fat Beach, please. Or Baps. Or Baps. Don't watch either one of those. No, those are not good representations of us or or our community. Please don't watch (laughs) either one of those. Please. No. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Booty Call almost made the list, but Jamie Foxx is hilarious in that. And it's his coming out party. (laughs) But on that note, until next time, I'll holler. Thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and donate. Donations help us keep giving you this free content each and every week. Until next time, Audi 5000. Peace.